Welcome to Securing Digitalization, the Siemens Cybersecurity Podcast. Our hosts, Natalia Oropesa and Mirko Ross. Welcome to another episode of Securing Digitalization. And we will talk about IP, intellectual property, and how to protect intellectual property from cyber attacks. And it's a pleasure to do this show with my fantastic co-host, the Global Chief Cybersecurity Officer of Siemens, Natalia Oropesa. Hi, this is Natalia and I am, uh, like always, very happy to be with you today, Mirko, and today with a very special guest, and this is uh, Mr. Thomas Kunnen. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for spending the time today with us. Thank you very much, Natalia. Thank you very much, Mirko. My name is Tom Kuhn, and thanks for inviting me to Siemens Cybersecurity Podcast. Uh, let me just start by saying that for the Federation of German Industries, for the BDI in Berlin, strengthening cybersecurity awareness is crucial to ensure that the digital transformation will be a long-term success story. And this is especially true for German industries' intellectual property. It is the industry's innovation treasure, if you want so. So cyber-resilient products, systems, and solutions are of outstanding importance in this regard. We have seen, due to the pandemic, some really remarkable examples how intellectual property has been threatened by cyber attacks. And one uh, example I had in mind was uh, when the web signs had been just going into the field test and through all these uh, processes of being prepared, um, there was a cyber attack on the European Medicine Agency and the attackers were just retrieving all the documents from the sign. It has a lot of intellectual property because it's just sensitive information as well on how this vaccine works, how it's produced, uh, what are the remarkable things about that. So, And it seems to be this has been just retrieved by maybe nation-state attacker. So was this just a tip on the iceberg? You're talking about the tip of the iceberg. This is a very good picture. But different from the iceberg discussions that we know, this iceberg is not melting, it's growing. And it's growing increasingly fast uh, in terms of the number and the quality of the attacks that companies and individuals are facing. So globally, what we hear and what we see is the cost of cybercrime, which is estimated at $1 trillion. dollars, And we just figured out that's 15 zeros. That's an incredible wow. amount <laughs> of, of money, $1 trillion dollars alone in 2020. So um, why is that so much? I mean, there are many reasons, and this is not only due to the pandemic, but the pandemic has caused a new situation. Why is that? It's because um, from one day to the, the other, worldwide and also in Germany, everyone fled the offices and ran into their homes for, for the good and the worse of it. And what we saw is then that uh, the technical background oftentimes did not you know, keep up in pace. So there was a lack in security because of that shift from moving from the office to the household. And that led to a rise in the incidents uh, as well. So we see a rise uh, of incidents in Germany of 6.2% in last year. So that's about 130,000 cases that we see wow. overall uh, in Germany alone. And uh, 
one thing I want to mention in this regard is is the the question of how do those things get reported? Because we know that most incidents don't even get reported. Some don't even get detected. But if we talk about the reporting line, this is essential for many, many companies. And in Germany, at least, and in Europe, it is ruled by law that if you're part of a sector such as energy, that is a critical infrastructure, you have to address, you have to address um, the Federal Office of Information Security, the BSI. In all the other cases, individuals and all the other companies, you simply go to the local police. And if you, if you just think about that, I'm sure this is not only the case in Germany, but the local police forces, as active as they, they are, they oftentimes do lack the knowledge and the IT background in order to address those issues properly. The iceberg is not melting. I like that. The iceberg is not melting, but growing. And I am trying to reflect on that. And I think, uh, yeah, uh, Siemens has, has a lot of to protect. And also, I want to say that ways that the attackers are using these days to get intellectual property is changing also with digitalization in order for us, for the companies to protect the espionage, because this is the way it was called when someone was willing to steal. And I remember the ways to stop this espionage was rather physical. Recently, my my my, my security officer called me and told me, Hey, Natalia, I want to report you something. And uh, yes, go ahead. What's it? What's happening? Well, you left a sensitive paper on your desk on your office in Munich. Oh, God. <laughs> I was, first of all, angry with me because if this was true, I couldn't believe that. I told him, Florian, he, he, that, that, that's his name. Are you sure I never leave papers on my desk? Uh, I don't even have papers. I do everything digital, my goodness. And then I went to my office in Munich and I found, yes, one paper. It was a suspicious paper. It was not really something very sensitive, but but nevertheless, for someone that doesn't know, it was suspicious. And I was angry with myself at one uh, one side, very thankful that we have the right processes, even for physical security. And the reason I am telling you guys this story is uh, for us to reflect that those measures that we took in the past to protect intellectual property, meaning no one coming inside of the of the buildings, no one having access to papers, those things are not enough today anymore because of digitalization. Because today, the hackers or the persons interested in uh, in this kind of information, they will come over the internet with the connectivity that we have increased. And I will stop here because I know there are more questions coming, Mirko, so I will not go to the next things. It was a very good point, Natalia, because this is as well about a paradigm shift. And as well, in terms of security, we need to rethink uh, where are the threats. Obviously, of course, the smartphone is still a threat if it's in a network. Uh, but obviously, the, the most threat is not that someone is taking a picture uh, for certain risk assessments. Uh, it's more that the attacker is inside the system and they're retrieving data in pentabyte of, of data easily. Uh, I think that's the new threat. Yeah, exactly. And um, 
I, that, I, I, I say as well in Siemens, you can imagine how many assets do we do we need to protect? I mean, we have to reflect on what is Siemens doing and who are we? And we are leaders in industrial research and development, so we have more than 100,000 patents a year and um, with additional three to, to 4,000 patents applications uh, I, also a year. In other words, the heart of who we are. Yeah. That that is how important IP is for Siemens. Yeah. And by that, I think it's a good question: Who is trying to steal this intellectual property? If if we go back to the big economic level, Tom. So, who are the attackers? Well, there are different kinds of attackers, and but in in general, you can. Um, call it three groups of cyber criminals. So we have the, the criminal organizations, of course, that we all talk about, including criminal activities by nation states. And we know that exists. It's, it's not a myth. Then we have the group of, of employees and, and other individuals. And let me just share a couple of thoughts on, on these three groups from the perspective of, uh, of German industry, which I represent. Uh, so the most talked about uh, and very, very dangerous group is criminal organizations, of course. And those organizations do change in their behavior in the past. We see that. And this is, it's it's professionalizing, Mirko. It, it is kind of growing itself as a business. And yeah. that is frightening because there's a lot of money to be made in this kind of illegal uh, business, of course. In the beginning of cybersecurity, we saw that there were ransomware attacks, and uh, this, of course, is still happening. What we see more and more is a phenomenon called ransomware as a service, or RAS. And ransomware as a service is a, is a perverted kind of business, if you want so, because you don't have to be an IT security specialist yourself as a criminal. You can just hire one. And you do that, of course, as we know, on the dark web. And you go there, and a, re a security researchers group from IB found out that Uh, at this point in time, almost two-thirds of registered ransomware attacks come from this kind of ransomware-as-a-service business, if you want to call it. And in the last year alone, there were 15 new such providers on the dark web in terms of um, ransomware-as-a-service. Uh, and the, the, the most perverted issue about it is they are even, even competing against each other, calling out discount campaigns. So this is uh, being professionalized very much. And of course, when it comes to nation states, we don't want to call any any specific ones here. But I think uh, there are certain names which are being discussed in the media quite often. And of course, we know that attackers from this kind of specific group are very well equipped and very well trained. So the enemy we're talking about here as industry is a highly sophisticated uh, institution. And those are people who know exactly what they're doing and they're professionalizing by the day. So uh, companies have to be uh, at their best. Uh, they have to be very alert to, to be able to compete with those attackers. I mean, you, you made some really Interesting examples. First of all, what we have seen with the colonial pipeline, for example, this was a ransomware for rent attack. The dark side group, uh, they were offering their services. Um, we have seen as well that ransomware is shifting their, their way how they, um, hijack and ransom people from, oh, we are encrypting files. This was number one. Now the second way they're to pressure on the victims is, 
oh, we will publish information which contains intellectual property. Mm-hmm. And then as mm-hmm. if, if you have been attacked as a company and even if you have your backups and everything ready so you don't care about that the files have been encrypted because you can restore it, you will pay as well maybe because you don't want your intellectual property published in the dark web or, or on, on websites or whatever. I think that's, right. that's a new a way how they improve their criminal business to get ransom from the victims. Yeah, absolutely. That's a business. So if you don't get the money because they don't pay the ransom, uh, then you get the money because you publish uh, the information or you, you sell the credentials that you stole during the attack. So that's mm. the other part. That, that's the other way to get money. So that's for sure. Yeah. That's for sure a business. Yeah. <laughs> let, let me let me just share one more point on top of that because we are all we're talking about the outside attacker here all all the time, but but if you're a company and this is especially true for small and medium sized companies who oftentimes don't have the resources to fight those attackers very well. On top of that, you have another group of attackers which come from the inside. In Germany, we have a specific term for that. It's called the inentator, the inside perpetrator. And of course, this group is is highly dangerous as well because they know the company, they know the systems, so they're insiders, if you want. So, and let me just share one one fact with you, which I found interesting in the run up to to this podcast here. There's the um, Assurance Association (GDV) in in Germany, and they found out that an average criminal employees get away with 115,000 euros before they get caught. So we're not talking about a couple of, of euros here, but if you take that and enlarge that by quantity, that is a highly dangerous group from the inside that comes on top to the outside attackers. So companies of all sizes has to be have to be prepared to to react to different angles, let's just call it. And that makes it quite complex and that makes it such a big and important issue, especially as Natalia said, when it comes to protecting the the golden nuggets of the company the ip yeah and uh, and yeah. i think the, the the inside attacker is something which is often out of mind because we many companies are focused on it security on the outside exactly and then we have often this case that people are changing their employees and then they're taking a bunch of data uh, out of the company with sensitive data from research development or or whatever yeah. this is definitely a case often happens and what is to me a new dimension is that in the past let's say in the past with the paradigm shift you had to copy documents doing that as an inside attacker is as well rather difficult now it's a click that you can retrieve gigabyte of data which is sensitive and put it on a simple sd card well let me go back to the to the to this conversation previously because Tom was talking about the different actors and the different motivations we talk about money business and we talk about ransom the worst nightmare that a person like me has is yes ransom uh, it costs money and it costs uh, it damages the reputation of of the company of course but it's something that you see that is happening that 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 is there that you have to fight it. But then uh, an, an APT, an advanced persistent threat. And and I I know that 
that you, Mirko, you are the expert in how it happens. But basically, this is a kind of attack that is designed to enter in the organization and to stay in the organization and then to detect the information that is relevant mm-hmm. for the attacker to steal. And, uh, and, and we know that, that in the way we operate, we also, we also know that they are very well organized and very well, uh, uh, very professional, that they have tools and so on and so forth. And, and actually their goal is to steal the information they want to steal and, and, and then to leave without, without being detected. This is this is their goal, and then longer then longer they stay in the company when when with more access rights than better. I know exactly that you can you can describe how how an attack like this happens. It has a reconnaissance phase, and it has an escalate and, and lateral movement phase, and then an esca- a privileged escalation phase, and then and then it will take them six minutes to steal the information they want to. And what we know is that those groups will get information about which information do they want. And then they will sell that information to another company that is behind in technical development that needs to have this information in order for them to develop further, technically speaking. And uh, and, and this is what's happening. In, in, this, the, in these cases, what we do is to use technology, to use processes, and of course, to use a lot of experts. In order to detect this kind of misbehaviors, this kind of anomalities, so we have a set of tools, processes, and experts making detection of anomalities of, to give you an example of an, an anomaly is someone typing five times the same the different passwords and wrong passwords, or someone moving from a coffee, a connection with the coffee machine, from a coffee machine to a roboter, a, a connection from a server in Mexico to a server in China. So uh, that all happens with artificial intelligence, with machine learning, and with a lot of expert people. And then the detection of anomalies is, is a process that helps to detect as well, not only external, but already any internal wrong behavior. Therefore, what we always do is, of course, to assess the the criticality of the assets and the DNI assets, so the the nectar property asset, uh, of course, we protect the most. So there we have uh, more success rate than in the rest. Of the assets, I, I like the strategy that you have a proper risk assessment and then focus the right instruments and the right tools uh, in the level of the risks you have estimated in your risk assessment because this is as well a competition of resources. I mean, we know there are attackers out there with unlimited resources. If we take the nation-state attackers. And as well, the cyber criminals are always looking on their resources because they want to get the best out of their money they are investing. So, yes, you need to optimize your resources as well, and you have to focus your resources on based upon the risk you have estimated. I had an interview with Beat Weibel, which is the uh, chief of the IP council at Siemens, and he was telling me about how they are protecting the IP in their department. 
we have become much more systematic in documenting and making sure that this treasure is really kept in a in a secure server environment so to speak that nothing goes goes out but actually um cybersecurity has become much more important in the past few years because as you probably know we took over the responsibility for domain names and uh, this responsibility also includes the governance for domain name servers um, and with this the importance actually jumped in the last two years and we entertain a much more close cooperation with the expert from cybersecurity because these domain name servers are of course very vulnerable to cyber attacks and that's where we need to be included and where we have a very well working cooperation with you guys from cybersecurity. Wow, so this was the Siemens perspective on how to protect IP, but we know there are plenty of companies out there, especially the German economy, a lot of SMEs, uh, mid-sized companies. So my question to you, Tom, what can I do if I'm a mid-sized or SME to protect my intellectual property? Well, first of all, Milko, uh, you have to acknowledge that there is a threat. And that's the first thing that starts in the head of the company leaders, be it a small or medium-sized or a big company. And if that first step is taken, you got to organize, manage it, and, and give it the right resources. What we see oftentimes and unfortunately see is that, of course, there is no return, return on investment in this kind of invest because you you save money in the best case but you don't earn any money with it so it's it's a problem for especially for small and medium-sized companies to get into that thinking that it's it's worth the money to put in it and the and the work but i think uh with all the media attention most company leaders are aware of of the the threats that we're facing now now what we see especially in germany when it comes to smes is a lack of resources a lack of knowledge and some more issues which can be addressed by pol by politics. For example, in Germany, if you're part of a company, if you're a company that falls under the BSI law, so if you're critical infrastructure, energy, water, be it any of those many sectors that are in the law there, then you're facing a situation where you have to report um, under the danger of being fined to up to 20 million euros 20 million euros a year uh, per incident. Um, and you have to report that incident to the BSI, which is totally fine. And if personal data is involved, and in most cases, some kind of personal data, uh, GDPR relevant data is involved, you additionally, additionally have to report and fill out forms to the local um, authorities in terms of data protection. So basically what we see is you have to address three um, three ways as a, as a small and medium-sized companies in the case you're, you have an incident. That is a big hurdle for you to take. It's, it's, it's a lot of work you put into it whilst you're in the midst of, of trying to prevent an attack. But so the, the state could make that a one-stop shop. That's, that's a clear thing we are asking of, of politicians. Make it a one-stop shop, especially for small and medium-sized companies. Uh, if, if they're more openly sharing 
their attack data, then everyone else can be protected better. So the system will run much better if, if we make it a one-stop shop. Um, that is important. Then we have a lot of organizations that help small and medium-sized companies, of course. There are we made we made a, a list of them, about 36 alone in Germany, very regional ones, helping small and medium-sized companies to address the question, how do I protect myself and my company and my IP, of course. And we, we urge all companies to look into their regional um, alliances that they find there and talk to those people there. Get involved with others who face the same dilemma situation, who face the same threats. And we are urging politicians in Germany and company leaders to address cybersecurity very, very clearly in order to feel safe, in order to have the uh, the strength to go out there and make use of the services available out there because we understand that German industry is not going to be the same as it was in the decades before. It is going to be a very much data-driven industry and therefore cybersecurity is of, of the highest importance. So Tom, completely understand that. And this is a good topic I can ask Natalia because Siemens is a super big, high innovative company, but you have a, a large ecosystem around it with mid-sized companies, suppliers, um, even SMEs who are your customers all working for Siemens. So is it as well a challenge and a task for you to get your ecosystem on a level that they can keep the pace with you? We have to be aware of this. And, um, and yes, it is a challenge. It is a challenge. It is a risk at the same time. If you do whatever new invention or new digitalized process or digitalized process, you always need to think about cybersecurity. And, and yes, I agree with, with Tom. This is very important. We have to be keep the pace on, the, on, on that uh, innovation so that we can protect society properly. And, you know, we do a lot in the Charter of Trust. This is exactly the idea of the Charter of Trust, to keep that pace balanced. By that, uh, thank you very much for joining this show tom it was really very good you, you brought very good insights and natalia thank you very much yeah, thank as you. well thank you very much thanks for listening to our podcast and if you like our show give us a rating or leave us a comment bye securing digitalization the siemens cyber security podcast
Securing Digitalization, the Siemens Cyber Security Podcast. Siemens, ingenuity for life.